The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. At the Last Supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. A new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new commandment, all things new. As for this new commandment, Jesus tells us to love one another. Now, it may have been the case that this commandment was new for the disciples at that time. But how many times have we heard it said in the course of our lives that we should do this? How many times has it been repeated in song, immortalized in poetry, charged via sermon, or handed on via maxim? For some priests, it seems better to simply avoid saying the word love in a sermon, as it is a sign to the congregation that the priest doesn't have anything new to say. It feels to me as if the new commandment of love has grown stale. This is the nature of new things, unfortunately. They have a certain thrill and excitement when they are new. But eventually, the newness wears off. I'm sure most of you can remember a time when you received a new toy as a child and proceeded to play with it nonstop for about two weeks, at which point it went to the back of the closet and was never seen again. The same thing happens to us as we get older. We find a new television show we like, but then we grow tired of it and stop watching. We find a new author we like, but then grow weary of the same formula. Even in our romantic lives, we have to struggle with newness growing old. Few things are more exciting than falling in love. There are few things that can bring you to that sort of height. But over time, the high of new love is likely to pass. There's nothing wrong with new love, but the way love feels will almost invariably change. We can fall into a place where we say the word love merely out of habit, without consideration of its meaning. What do we do when we say the word love but feel nothing in it? What do we do when we hear the word love and it holds no inspiration? 
What do we do when the new challenge that love once was has become tiresome? And the word that once had such great power for us no longer inspires us to anything. There are, of course, ways of reinvigorating love in our relationships and hopefully of reinvigorating the word in our lives. Whether it is revisiting the location of a first date, setting a date night, going on a second honeymoon, or simply remembering how to communicate with one another, there are ways that we can remember why it is that we first expressed our love to the people we love. I think a good place to start is to remember what love is. And providing a definition for love has been a favorite task of theologians. For me, the definition that Thomas Aquinas provides is the most striking. Thomas first distinguishes between several kinds of love. There is charity, which does not have the connotation of a modern word, but instead describes God's love. Charity is the highest form of love, and humans can only experience it as God grants it to them. Thomas also describes the human forms of love, friendship, romantic love, the love of parent for a child, and so on. What is most interesting is that Thomas defines charity, God's love, using the exact same terms he uses to describe friendship. In fact, he says that the perfect love found in God is actually a form of friendship. His definition, which is taken directly from Aristotle, is for one person to wish nothing but good, to have constant goodwill to another person. He adds two further requirements. First, we should will good for the other person without thinking of our own personal gain. And second, friendship of this form is only possible when there is mutual love, when both parties want the best for each other. In describing God's love as a form of friendship, Thomas reminds us of what our human relationships can ideally be. Hearing this definition of love can provide us with a way not of evaluating our relationships, but of inspiring them to newness. Do you know the feeling of loving someone so much as to be constantly wishing only the best for them? And not only wishing, but taking action to ensure their happiness. Do we seek to remember the value of friendship, of closeness, and mutuality in all our relationships? Thomas reminds us that love is only love when it is with each other, when both parties work together in pursuit of the best. I hope that my words today can serve as a start of a second honeymoon for all of us with the word love. I hope that we can remember what it means to love, and that when we hear the word or say the word, that it is not empty for us, but that instead it holds some of the power it had for us as when it was new. It is a simple fact that we will hear the word love over and over again in our lives. You will hear countless sermons on love, and it may be difficult to keep yourself interested. But I encourage you to do all you can to maintain love's power in your life. Our relationships will change over time, 
as well as our understandings of how to be in relationship with one another. But so long as we remember to invest time in invigorating love, they will always be strong. There is nothing in the world more essential to human flourishing than being in relationship, and nothing more important to relationship than love. So Jesus has given us a new commandment, to love one another as he loved us. May this commandment always be new for us. Amen.